Hi, everybody. Hey, squad. Hi, guys. Um, I quickly want to open with a retraction from last week. It's not really a retraction. It's more like a, a switcheroo um, regarding Scandaval. And this is the only amount of time I will spend on this because we don't have time for everything that happened on Wednesday, this past Wednesday. We don't have time. I've seen so many memes. I sent you a couple of the more funny parts where they literally, Sandoval just <laughs> opened his mouth. And they just start screaming. It's not even words. They're just like, <laughs> I don't know if you swiped all the way to the last clip of them when they literally began to boo him. <laughs> I just... did. I saw. I loved all of them. And he's just, I like when he starts to cry and the other guy, he's like, he's like, come on, come on. He gets so mad. It was because <laughs> get it together. He's like, oh god, <laughs> and he's just like, uh. And then Lala in that one clip, he goes, Lala, you can't judge me. She goes, please fuck off. Oh, it was just all so good. <laughs> so funny. What was your retraction? My quick retraction, or I should say, edit to the timeline from last week was that, and it's kind of important because it explains when the original like sex happened because there's so many beginnings to this affair we found out that apparently in april 2022 months prior to the sex and months prior to everything else he apparently told raquel that they were in an open relationship that's not so i'm like i don't even know you're all a bunch of liars and i have no clue when this started but apparently the sex began it was after guys night at the mondrian five days after that on see you next tuesday night then they went to the abbey and Allie, James's girlfriend, saw them dancing. And then after that, they went to Tom Sandoval's car and had sex. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that everyone knows that I was paying attention. That's really good because I made so many mistakes last episode. Not, I mean, starting with John Fenwick, not John Hinckley Fenway, which I said with my whole chest. That was hilarious, though. And I, in the recording, I was like, even if that's not his name, that is his <laughs> it name. It is I his don't name care. now. I don't really care what his real name is but he looked like a john hinckley fenway he i truly mean he did he was great and again it takes a really strong actor much like carlos in the episode before him to make us forget that you did something really gross and it's terrible true. i think the episode today is filled with actually a lot of bad actors okay yes all right yes um that is what made the final scene even worse almost because it was bad obviously <laughs> i was more disgusted at the acting because it wasn't it like kicked me out i'm like oh ew you're just gross right right for for context people the last scene the last scene features pedophiles and they're all conversing and as gross as it was anyway on its face something about the acting just made it so much worse well should we get into it i think one of the bad actors is in scene number one um so this is law and order svu season one episode 18 chat room not cyber, like I said very confidently last episode. And I keep like, whatever you say cyber, I think there was another SVU episode, I'm pretty sure, where they kept referring to cyber sex as cybering. So Ooh. now every time you say it, I'm like, ooh, ooh cybering. cybering. Well, our original air date is April 14th, 2000, and directed by Richard Dobbs, who directed the last episode. So we open on like a city evening. There's like honking cars in the background and there is a teenage girl talking on a payphone. Remember those? She's wine yelling into the phone. She's like, I need a ride. Mom, 
mom so we just hear this one-sided conversation and she's yelling i need a ride she says she's pretty far away and finally she yells mom listen i was attacked i was raped and then she goes yes that's what i said (laughs) i'm so sorry (laughs) i picture the mom going did you say you were raped is that what you said yes that's what i said all right i wanted to make sure that's what you said they are very they're brooklyn so broke. I know. She was like, I'm really far away. And I'm like, I don't know. You're not that. You're far enough for it to be annoying if your mom doesn't have a car. But you're not that far. Finally, she hangs up and rests her head on the payphone. And honey, that's dirty. Ew, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> your forehead, too. Your teenage forehead oh, was already prone to oh, oil. No. <laughs> don't do that. I will say, this is not a big thing, but um, this actress is Paz de la Huerta. And she is best known for being in a movie, um, an indie movie by Gaspar No, called Into the Void. And guess what? That movie has latent incest in it. So oh. Detective Paige is not happy. She's also in A Walk to Remember and, I guess, Boardwalk Empire? Neither I've watched very recently. She was also in Cider House Rules. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I got so into Paz de la Huerta during the MySpace days, but I remember specifically having a memory of like spending at least an hour looking her up on the internet when I was in high school. She seems like an it girl of that time. She's got a very um, late 90s, early aughts face. Done, done. We'd go to the hospital. The girl tells Benson and Stabler that she got into a man's car and he drove her to a vacant lot. So once they were at the vacant lot, he pulled out a gun and held it to her head and told her to get out of the car. Once she was out of the car, he raped her. Before letting her go, he said that if she told anyone, he'd kill her. Classic. Classic. So Olivia asks why she got into the car in his, in the first place. And she's like, uh, I don't know. I, I just got in. And Stabler kind of repeats, you just got in. They seemed a little suspicious of her right off the bat. I said that too. I was like, they're sus uh right from the beginning and then i also wrote why i I wrote in my notes that stabler was probably burned from his dealings with virginia hayes because they do not give her the virginia hayes treatment no and she's slightly more believable as a a teenager yes be a victim than virginia hayes was virginia hayes might as well have walked around being like i did it and stabler was like i don't know guys you're a teen like my daughter so yeah they're kind of they're they're already making eyes at her kind of like okay and they're like what do you mean he kind of what do you mean you kind of got in the car and she goes well i kind of know him so apparently she met this guy in a chat room online and they've been corresponding over email for a couple of months i think or was it like weeks i think it was months i think it was months and stabler goes oh like on the internet no stabler (laughs) email is short for egg mail he does it comes in an egg he does a lot of these (laughs) The the internet blows Stabler's fucking mind. There's so much internet exposition, and I tried to write down all of it. There's just so much of it. There's only so much you can do. But they make this girl, like, talk old. Like, she goes, he seemed decent enough over email. I'm like, you're how old? You're saying he seemed decent? He seemed decent. Olivia tells her they're going to have her work with a sketch artist, and Karen... Oh, should I start naming her now? Her name's Karen. <laughs> her name is Karen. Her That's another Karen. reason why I'm like, why is she talking old? Because her name is Karen. Her name's Karen. So apparently she and this guy arranged to meet up in the, in the city, and then he would pick her up at a coffee shop at 7 p.m. Uh, in a beige mercury sable. I wrote that down. I wish I'd taken it out because it truly doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter at all. She doesn't know his name, of course, Mm-mm. but she does know his screen name, kids. It's the Yachtsman. 
And she says that based on his screen name, I thought he'd be a gentleman. Just shows you how wrong you can be. You're seven layers of wrong. <laughs> I was like, okay. That alone, you meeting a man on the internet. So A, I know we're kind of in the early stages, so maybe you didn't know it was wrong. But A, B, his name was the Yatsman, which is douchey. That's why teenagers shouldn't go on the internet. Dun, dun. Dun, dun. So Benson and Stabler are bringing Cragen and Munchies up to speed on the seduction. And Munchies are confused about the name. They're like, the Yachtsman? Is that like his birth name? And Cragen, of all people, has to school them. He's like, it's a screen name. They met online. And Stabler tells them, yep, and that's like the only name we have right now. So Jeffries asks about the victim. And Olivia's like, well, she's shaken up. We're going to re-interview her. And Cragen tells them, but Cragen starts getting a little expositiony he's like by the time the lab comes back with anything this guy could be halfway across the world so we need to move on this people i love how early like internet people thought that they're like he could be anywhere in the world i understand what you mean but how it sounds what it sounds like you think is that once an email is sent the perpetrator then gets on a plane and goes anywhere like, in the world throws their computer across the room and then just books out the door <laughs> just like jogging away <laughs> that they are literally carbon san diego and they're like what happened basically they basically think the yachtsman is the carmen san diego of the internet it's 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 pretty funny i'm just like wow they say it like a couple times they're like he could be anywhere now and i'm like could he or could he just be like in another part of new york <laughs> That's what we're going to find out. <laughs> Not even that far. Yeah. So Jeffrey says she wants to check out Karen's computer since the yachtsman is from the internet. He lives there and he travels the internet. Craigan agrees. And he sends her and Munch to Brooklyn where Karen lives with her mother to talk to the mother. And then Munch before he goes, because he has to get the last word, he goes, 70 million people on the internet. Everyone a suspect. You don't know how many people there are on the internet. I very much like Tim Robinson at that. I was like, really? Are you sure about that? And then we find out later, it's just like something like every day there's like 3.4 million people in the chat rooms. Take down your estimation of your suspect pool, Munch. Dun, dun. Dun, dun. So now we're in the nice interrogation room. I'm surprised because they don't seem to like Karen, no. so I'm shocked they put her in here. Do you like her style? No, but I don't think it's because it's bad style. I think it's obviously of the times. It's very of that time, like a big, almost like furry looking jacket with mm -hmm. kind of almost like. Not scantily clad, like, provocative, but just not a lot elsewhere. Like, it looks like maybe she's wearing, like, a little fishnets. Fishnets and, like, a skirt and, I don't know. Yeah, she's doing the tights thing. Somehow it's so trashy looking with the tights. I don't know how. It's like, you'd think that bare legs, according to history, would be, like, trashy. But I'm like, somehow you guys made tights look trashy. We did, too. I wore tights. Oh, and we wore tights with shorts. Tights with Oh, my God. That mm. was, like... Like, you need to get your colorful tights and wear your shorts over them with, like, some boots. Bro, people used to wear mustard-colored tights. And by people, I mean I owned a pair. <laughs> <laughs> it's us. We're people. I saw a True Life recently from 2012. I might just send you screenshots, or if you have cable, I'll just send you a link to the episode. It was fun. Just I remember when the episode aired, we were in college, and I watched it in my room. And I didn't think anything was wrong with how they were dressed. And now watching it back, I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> this is a peplum. massacre. Like tights under shorts. Everyone had on a motorcycle jacket. Um, just like blouses, but going mm. out. Like we wore blouses to bars. We were of like the business era to clubs. Yes. Generation. And none of us could explain it. 
<laughs> so no, I don't like Karen's style. I I don't know if I like it. I'm like, it's kind of cool, but very of the time, like I said. Like, is it fair to judge? But I am judging it. She's like, also supposed to be a teenager. If she, like, came into a restaurant I was at now, I'd be like, what the fuck are you wearing? But back then, I think I would have been like, oh, my God. People wear stuff like that now, but they're all her age, and they're trying to recreate the style from that time. So maybe that's another reason why I'm kind of like, ugh, because I'm like, eh, eh, I don't yeah. She's also got little barrettes in her hair, and I always hated that. Yeah. I feel like it's she's creepy. another fine-haired queen where you should, there's not a lot we can do. Yeah, the barrettes, like, it's so sad when I put a barrette in my hair because, like, two minutes later, it's just down by my eyeball, like, hovering. <laughs> Stabler confirms, and I'm, I think by that I meant he repeats back to her, that Karen got in the car with the guy around 7 p.m. and checked into the hospital a little, I think he said a little before 11 p.m., but yeah. it was, like, around 11 p.m. Karen's kind of sarcastic now, and she's like, yeah, sounds about right. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> so Benson asks what happened before the attack. She's like, what did you guys talk about? Karen says, my school, my family. I was pretty eager to meet this guy. Stupid, isn't it? Yeah, Karen. Oh, Karen. It's okay, guys. Something, it's fine. Yeah. We're allowed to be mean to Karen. <laughs> yeah, we can. I, I won't tell you why, but we can be mean to Karen. So she and the yachtsman have been emailing for about three or four months. Her brow is so furrowed this entire scene. I'm like, unclench, unclench. So Olivia asks why she chose to meet him last night. And Karen's like, well, we've been talking for a while and it seemed like the right time. And Olivia's like, but why last night? So we're kind of getting the vibes now that Benson and Stabler think something is off. And it very much seems like Karen is lying. Yeah, she's getting like offended by their question. Not offended I guess you might have to see it, but it's sort of like, it's not like offended like you're like, I've been traumatized and now I'm offended by this line of questioning. It's more like offended, like, oh, stop asking me follow-up questions. I can't think straight. She's very different from every other victim we've seen be interviewed this far, except for, I want to say one exception, which would be Ginny Hayes. Harper from Closure was, you know, telling facts, spitting facts, telling the story very directly this she just only has surface level details stabler suggested they should take a squad car and drive around town retracing steps and karen's like you mean drive around all the places do we have to yeah i was like she obviously doesn't like this idea but again it's not like she's like nervous like oh no you're gonna make me drive back to these places that have traumatized me it's like Ugh! yes so olivia's like well karen that's how we're gonna find him and off they off they go Dun dun. So now we're at Karen's house uh, with her mother, Melissa Ray, spelled R-A-Y-E. And it reminded me of Hayes. And I'm like, I don't trust these two people. Mm. I don't like these two people. I don't like mother-daughter duos. <laughs> so much of speaking to Melissa, Karen's mother. Um, and I'm like, why does Melissa get to be named Melissa when she's the mom? I know. I was like, why well, wouldn't we should flip that? weird there are a couple of other old names for young women later on and mm -hmm. i'm just like who wrote this she's like a young whip whippersnapper named elaine elaine i know <laughs> pauline what the fuck this is pissy and she's got like this like she's you think she'd be more upset as a mother of a current rate of a rape victim but she's more just kind of like yeah pissy about it 
So she says that she dropped Karen off at the library at 6.15 p.m. and went back to check on her at 8.30 p.m., but Karen was gone. Yeah, I said she's a spaz. She's kind of like she's moving all stiff, and she's speaking very terse and regimented, but with a Brooklyn accent, so it's kind of funny. Munch is like, you went to check on her? And I don't know why, but he's, like, dragging out his words, trying to seem kind of like, oh, really? Oh, really? And she goes, I would have stayed the whole night if I didn't have quiet practice. And he goes, you don't trust her? She's like, trust, but verify. She's at that age. So Jeffries is like, uh, what age? And Melissa's like, well, she's got the body of a woman, but the sense of a child. Which is true. True. Jeffries asks if there's, like, been problems with boyfriends. And Melissa's like, she's too young for boyfriends. So basically, she's allowed to go to church, school, and school functions if there's a chaperone. She can have boys over, but only if they're friends. And it basically sounds like she's never had a boy over. Because who wants to do that rule? Most of them start out as friends. Okay, I know that these are old school rules and they were normal at one point, but to me, a woman of now, I'm like, these are red flags. Oh. <laughs> these are Duggar-esque red flags. And also, I would venture to say Melissa's probably not a very good singer. She seems way too uptight, uptight to be able yes. to Oh, come all ye faithful. <laughs> yeah, no, that's basically her. And then she's like, besides, I thought the weirdo that did that was from the internet. And they're like, uh, well, Mrs. Ray, we're just, you know, trying to check all the boxes. She's folding a beach towel. <laughs> she is. She's <laughs> angrily folding towels. So Jeffries asks if they can take a look at the computer. And Melissa's like, mm, nope, I don't have a computer. She does that at her father's apartment. I like how she's very specific that the father lives in an apartment. She's really weird about the father. Uh, so she's like, they're like, oh, when did you get divorced? And she goes, we never married. I didn't have someone looking out for me the way I look out for her. She's always, okay, we're doing her voice the way she's delivering these lines. Angry. Oh, so angry. Just mad. And she says the only reason that Karen even sees her father is because the court ordered biweekly visitations. And she remarks, you tell me if that makes sense. I was like, why does she look so familiar? She's been in a ton of stuff. So she's Siobhan Fallon Hogan. She's been on Saturday Night Live, Men in Black, Wayward Pines. I remember her as the mom from Holes. She's Stanley's mom. Oh, my God. She's Stanley's mom. She's Stanley's mom. Also, I think her other big famous, I mean, this isn't like a, a huge part of the movie, but she's the wife of the guy who gets killed by the alien at Men in Black, and he comes back in like the creepy in the per, in like the person suit basically and like eats all the sugar and she's like what the fuck is up with you there's a couple of people like that in here like people that i'm like i think i know who that is and i'm like oh yeah they're like a person yeah you know but i don't have a big enough brain to keep all of the people in there dun dun we're done with her <laughs> crazy um and, and of course now i'm like oh the dad must be a fucking weirdo oh my god like he has a computer he's She's forced to give bi-weekly visits to this guy. They never married. I'm like, look at all these red flags she's setting up for us. Yeah, and then he's fine. He's literally fine. So, dun-dun, the streets. Literally. Karen is driving around with BNS in the squad car, or an unmarked squad car, I should say, and they're trying to retrace her steps, but she's apparently misremembering details, but it's, like, clear that she doesn't know. She's just, like, telling them to take turns. She's like, take a right. And Olivia's like, it's a dead end. She goes, I guess it wasn't a right then. They're mad. She's mad. That's basically all that happens in that scene. Well, done, done. We go to um, Karen's dad, David Marolo's house. He is not mad. He's like a very pleasant man. He's a little paunchy, but very jolly. One might say a little too jolly for someone whose daughter was just raped. But um, 
her mom's yeah, just you're super right. mad. Her dad's just super jovial. And I'm kind of like, okay. Yeah, these are inappropriate reactions. <laughs> so I totally, in my scenes with these two people, I totally forgot she was raped. Mostly, I think, because my brain was like, well, no, she wasn't. Sorry. No, but that's why I kind of, I'm like talking about them now. I'm like, this is fucking weird. Because they were setting us up, they were setting up these clues. That's why I need to stop taking notes on my first watch. Because then when I take notes later, I could be like, this is a stupid scene. Mm-hmm. I don't have to think about it. But yeah, Munchies is with Karen's father. And this apartment's pretty nice, actually. It's actually a pretty nice place. It looks nicer than our place with our mom. I wrote that, too. I said, uh, it's a lot nicer than Melissa's house, and he seems more stable. Because, again, although he seems a little too jovial, I don't get sketch vibes from him. No. I also assumed he'd be way older based on how the mom was talking about him. It sounded like she herself had been predatorized, but they're of the same age. I think Melissa's just a whiner. David says that Karen's a good kid, and she studies really hard. And then for no reason at all, Munch goes, does she get straight A's? And David, a good dad, goes, uh, did you? And Munch is like... Yeah, well, except history and Spanish. And I'm like, so you didn't get straight A's. Yeah, uh, so you didn't. And I also think that's a lie. Sit down, John. So Jeffries asked David if he monitored what Karen surfed on the internet. Uh, He says he didn't because he really didn't know how. Believable. They asked to take his computer for a few days to take a look at it. And David gets a little awkward now. And he tells him that he has a few. I wrote editorial nudes that are password protected on his computer so Karen couldn't get into them. And he says they're just kind of like women with big cats, like women laying with leopards and shit, which is gross, but... Yeah, I think like naked chicks and big cats. Yeah. But I mean, you do you, buddy. You're not hurting anybody. Right, and I meant it was... Gr- I didn't mean it was gross, like, oh, it's gross. I'm just like, uh, don't touch a cat naked. There's no, no need. Even though Munch is kind of like, uh, I'm sure Karen didn't see it at all, like sarcastically being like, you're a gross scumbag. And I'm like, ugh. I mean... It's unflattering to know that a father looks at porn, but... But if you ch- if you actively dig into your parents' personal life, you're going to find stuff you don't like. Be like, you shouldn't have pried. You don't <laughs> want to know. Sorry. Didn't nobody ask you to read that journal from 2000 fucking... I'm like, what was my, what was my bad year? Well, a couple of years. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun. Back to the streets. Back to the streets. We're with BNS and they've pulled into a lot and they're asking Karen if this is where it happened. And she's like, yes. And so there's a playground nearby and we can actively see families like playing on the structure. And Stabler is like, man, there's a lot of people around here. Do you, are you sure no one saw you? She's like, well, I don't know. I was scared. I was terrified. And they're just like, what the fuck? So Benson Stabler staring at her and she's like, you don't believe me. It's just like they say, this is worse than the rape. It happened right here. And Olivia's like, we are just trying to get the details right. And you are acting sus as fuck. She doesn't say that, but she should. She should have. But basically, she's like, if there's something you want to tell us, you need to come clean. And Karen just doubles down. Yeah, she's like, you don't believe me. And she like (laughs) runs off. And they don't. They don't. To, To her credit, they do not believe her. Now, next scene, I am going to switch back to being very sympathetic towards Karen, but up till now, she's just ground my gears. I thought you were calling her, like, Puff McGruff, but ground my gears. <laughs> oh, that is her name, ground my gears. I'm going to call people who are being annoying that from, like, uh, they're being a regular old ground my gears over here. <laughs> dun, dun. So we're back at the station. Karen walks in with BNS, and she's like, hey, how did you get my dad's computer? And they're basically like, you said you were raped, so we're doing basic detective work. 
Yeah, I don't. I get it. Like, shows need to have dialogue, but sometimes I'm just like, really? Like, you're gonna have a teenager walk in and go, "How did my dad's computer get here? I thought computers were stapled to the floor. How come this computer's here? I'm confused. I'm confused. Everything's supposed to stay in one place in the world." So Karen looks down. She kind of looks kind of guilty kind of when she looks down like, oh, and then Stabler tells her to he goes, hey, tell you what, why don't you go with Debbie and go get a soda? And then he calls over this woman named Debbie. Poor Debbie. Where has Debbie been all this time? We've always had a woman named Debbie here to politely usher us over to where the soda is. Yeah, I want Debbie. I want more Debbie. I'm thinking that there were like several people who could have used Debbie's assistance and they were not offered Debbie's assistance. And I just don't understand why. Gina Silver could have used a Debbie. Gina Silver could have really used a Debbie and they were like, no, you have to fucking <laughs> go hang out with your husband. That's going to kill you. Oops. Benson looks at the monitor that I guess Munch is in front of and she goes, what is that? And apparently it's a photo of a Playboy type model with an ocelot. Now, did they have that up when Karen walked by? I'm kind of like, so she may or may not have seen her dad's porn, but now you're making sure she definitely saw it? Good question, because it, it, like, it's not like Olivia turned, like, a corner and was like, oh, what's that? Like, she literally went, oh, what's that? Like, turned her eyes. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> Munch goes, oh, yeah, those pictures are her dad's, and they didn't find anything else on Karen's computer. And so Stabler's like, I think we're all thinking what I'm thinking. There's no yachtsmen at all. But it does seem they have emails between her and somebody where that someone is justifying what they keep referring to as a May through December relationship. At first, I thought that he was talking about astrology. I was like, does he mean like how Gemini's and like Capricorns are not technically supposed to be together? (laughs) (laughs) Right. I was like, well, they keep using that phrase and it's. It seems like one of those things where someone learned a phrase and liked it, so they just kept putting it in. They're like, yeah, May through December relationship. I'm going to call May to my December. next relationship that. I'm going to be like, yeah, June 23rd through June 26th relationship. <laughs> Does that mean like your birthdays are just really close? Um, it means that we hung out for three days and then I barfed in his bed. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You'll notice I said June, which hasn't happened yet. So that's obviously oh, a made up that's story. That's your plan. <laughs> That's our plan for June. <laughs> boys, plan. <laughs> oh, boys. Uh, but yeah, I'm assuming. So they kind of, they don't really explicitly say, but what they're looking at is emails and like, I guess, instant message conversations between Karen and the yachtsman. And apparently the yachtsman also sent pictures to Karen, I think via email, um, that they're encrypted. So, but then I was like, guys, is that just because you printed them out and maybe the printer didn't have enough <laughs> ink in the machine? There's a lot of garbled tech speak that doesn't necessarily make sense, but that's okay. Yeah, Jeffrey's like, we got the tech guy coming to fix it. Dun, dun. Now we're in the nice interrogation room. Bian asks Karen why she's protecting the yachtsman, and she's crying, and she's like, I'm not. Benson asks if Karen lied about the parking lot, and Karen says she did. So Benson tells Karen that even if she had consensual sex with the yachtsman, they can still arrest him for statutory rape. And she's like, can he go to jail? And Olivia's like, yes, he could. She's pumped. She's like, yeah. Yeah, you bet you're. We'll get a search warrant. You want one? We'll get one. We'll get one right now. So Karen goes, 
what have I done? And they're like, oh, here it is. Here's the lie. Benson and Stabler are like, okay, what really happened? Oh, no, Uh-oh. you were lying. We didn't suspect it at all. Mm. So Carriage says, I never met the yachtsman. He was this guy me and my girlfriends used to email as a joke. And I'm like, oh, no, you and your girlfriends went down to the soda pop shop and emailed this guy as a joke. No, that is the kind of shit. Te- that is the kind of shit teenagers do. Like in our time, speaking inappropriately with people on the internet was like a pastime. Um, I did that. I had one of those friends that came over and was like, "You want to go in chat rooms?" <laughs> and we would, and it was so gross every time. Uh, it truly was a time, and it's. I feel like ninety nine percent of teenagers knew not to meet up with people they met on the internet because most people just went on the internet to fuck with these people. Like, no one even had to – I by the time I was doing that, I was probably, like, 11 or 12, I knew not to do it, and I knew that the people we were talking to were weird because they would ask if they'd be, like, ASL, you know, which is age, sex, location for anyone who was, who was born after. And every single time we would make up how old we were, we would pretend we were – we would say, well, we thought we were being – we're like, oh, we're 16, so much older, which is hilarious. <laughs> Awful. Oh, the amount of pedophiles our generation – titillated it's very disturbing wow i digress digress (laughs) um so apparently karen has a boyfriend and she was really with her boyfriend keith yes Mm. so stabler asks why she lied and it was because karen didn't want her mom to find out and get mad that karen and keith quote made love she was like we made love i'm like karen i think you're the adult woman in this relationship you're speaking like a woman in her 70s Benson asks how Melissa, Karen's mom, would have known about Karen and Keith having sex. And Karen says that every time she comes home from just being out, Karen makes her undress in front of her and she smells her hair and does weird shit like that. And then she begs him not to tell her mother. Now, yeah, neither of them seem concerned. And that sounded like I thought for a minute this episode, I couldn't really remember how it ended. I thought maybe it kind of diverged into perhaps... It being about her mom secretly sexually abusing her. Because that's abuse. That's really. That's, abuse. that's not good behavior. I, I went my whole life without that ever happening to me. Well, that's really controlling. And just once your kid knows how to put their own clothes on and take them off, you never get to decide a moment when they take all their clothes off again. No. You're done. So Stabler, because I, I've decided he's completely burned by Virginia Hayes at this point because he has zero sympathy for this story. And he says, nothing your mother does or doesn't do justifies filing a false police report. Do you understand that that's a serious crime? And I'm like, yeah, I guess her mother's sexually abusing her, is it? But okay. Yeah, no big – well, yeah, like like you said, he's been burned since Virginia Hayes and now they've kind of abused Gina. Now they're kind of abusing Karen. They're like, we don't care – if your mom's going to hit you and make you get naked and smell your hair, we're just mad that we wasted our time. Now, Karen was at the hospital. I'm assuming she had to go through a rape kit similar to Harper that we didn't see, which is really, like, we saw very intensive. So she was willing to go through a lot of bad shit to lie to her mom. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, this is a low-key a cry for help that is never, ever, ever addressed, by the way. No. Uh, I think this is the almost the end of our time with Karen, so. So Karen apologizes, and they tell her she needs to recant her statement. So then Karen, she goes, are you going to arrest my boyfriend? And Benson goes, why would we do that? 
and she tells them that it's because he's 21. Ew. But also Karen. 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 You're about to just get out of this. A slap on the wrist and no arrested boyfriend. Uh, and now Stamer just goes, we should talk to him. So now we care about Karen. I know, but even, it's not even like, nope. You know what? I'm going to hold the hold on to that. So dun dun. Stabler is walking through the precinct with Keith. He is beautiful, by the way. Oh, my God. So fucking hot for wow. Keith. <laughs> I have a lot Freaky. of really bad stuff to say about Keith, but his looks, I can't come for those. So attractive. Um, and so when we swoon over Keith, please remember that this is a TV show and we are actually swooning over the actor whose name I forgot to write down, but I think it's Mark. I think you're right, but I'm, I am not co-signing any names ever again keith asks if anything happened to karen and stabler's like yeah we're sorting that out but she's okay stabler's like so uh how old are you and he's like i'm 21 and stabler asks how old she is and he says 16 i know the age difference but she's more mature than any girl i've met in college fuck off keith you you beautiful asshole Keith, that's not even possible. <laughs> so stupid to say something like that. So Stabler kind of laughs and he's like, Keith, trust me, she's not that mature. And he's like, Keith, have you heard about statutory rape? Which to that, Keith kind of like, oh, like sighs and rolls his eyes. I'm like, bro, that's a, that's a crime. Keith has like flippy long hair, like that's part in the middle. And so every time he's kind of like, he like his hair like flipping his hair. And then... Stabler tells him he seems like a nice guy. This was off brand. Like, what was this? I, this is the same man that when his daughter was going to homecoming with a guy a year older than her was like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I know I, I wrote down. I'm like, wow, he really must not see any of Maureen and Karen because he does not. He basically only brought this guy in because he was supposed to. Ridiculous. Um, And yeah, Stabler says basically he's like, do you love her? And keeps like. Oh, no. <laughs> and Stabler's kind of amused. He's like, all right, well, take another year. I'm assuming wait till Karen's 18 is what he means by that. Yeah, he's like a year, year and a half. And I'm like, Karen's 16. You should wait till she's 18. Yeah. But whatever. He- Fuck me, I guess. And he's kind of like, good boy, Keith. And he sends him off. And I'm like, what? Detectives Porter and Agrell are watching from outside like, what the fuck? So, dun-dun, uh, bullpen. Stabler's, like, kind of walking out with a little jaunt. He swaggers in. He's like, ah, oh. A job well done. <laughs> he just patted a statutory rapist on the back and sent him, sent him on his way. <laughs> All on a day's work. Right. And he makes a joke. He's like, you know, the only difference between robbery suspects and our suspects, robbery suspects don't lie. What? <laughs> what even is this? But... Cragen bursts his bubble, as per Cragen, <laughs> and he asks if Stabler read the things that Yachtsman was writing. And Stabler's like, wait, did he really try to set up a meeting with her? I thought that was all good. I think he's just gobbledygook. <laughs> and Jeffrey's just like, uh, not with her. Again, they can't just come out and say it. So. Right. <laughs> um, they show Elliot some photos that I guess the Yachtsman the sent to Karen. They do not say this, but it's implied. Yeah. They're of adult men or man. So we don't know if it's the yachtsmen or just other adult men with young girls. The men's faces are blacked out in the photos, but the girls' faces are not. Also, if I were Karen and I knew I was in trouble, I'd be like, by the way, this guy sent me child sex abuse material. So uh, I think you should leave me alone and go chase him. 
Right. I would like, have been crying about dumbass Keith. Maybe she never, because they were encrypted photos. Maybe she never used, like, here's the password to look at these encrypted photos. And he, she was like, nah. She was like, nah. Well, you know, teenage girls are. But once he probably got too creepy, her and her friends probably were like, oh, fuck this guy. And then Stabler goes, I don't need to look at this crap. And he stomps off. Cragen reminds him, he goes, it's evidence, Elliot. And I picture Elliot, cause he stomps off. And I picture Elliot walking into a supply closet by accident and just staying in there. <laughs> like for a good, like, ten minutes. Dun dun. So it's been a minute, but we are at Casa de Stabler. We were not disappointed. Kathy's here and she asks about the photos on Karen's computer. And Stabler's like, there's so many of them. He sent them several times a day. And Kathy's like, geez, every time I open up my email, there are messages waiting for me with girls like names like Tina or I don't know. All I remember is Tina and Carrie. And they all want to meet me. They're drinking wine. They're all like, they're so bemused. It's been how many years that he's been on this force? They are disoriented. So disoriented. Stabler is uh, very becoming in his sh- chambray shirt. Um, I wrote that down, too. I was like, mm. is this a denim shirt? What? Mm, I want to feel it. Be like, oh, that's a nice material. Ooh. I Actually, I would want to feel it. I'd be like, is this chambray or is it denim? Because they're two different materials. Um, but yeah, Stabler agrees, and he says that the sex spam is out of control. Kathy goes, and if we get them, and she kind of opens her mouth, and Stabler goes, mm-hmm, Dickie, Maureen, Elizabeth, and Kathleen, get them too. I know. Meanwhile, the computer is just, like, ominously behind him. Kathy goes, it scares me. It scares me. And Stabler's like, well, it scares me too, but I just can't just walk in and restrain the guy. And Kathy's like, well, why not? He goes, you tell me where they are. I know, Stabler's like, I can't always fucking find them. And Kathy's like, but they're out there. And Stabler, thinking he's wise, goes, honey, they're in there. And then like gestures at the computer monitor. But they're out there. Honey, they're in here. I wrote, is everyone drunk? But also I've missed this. This is weird because they're both like doing this yes and thing to each other that I have only seen in people who are a little intoxicated in that way where they're like, yeah, right. uh, we can't get them. No, we can't. And they're both kind of like moving as they're talking. I wrote, I hope he doesn't start overreacting. So dun dun, we go to the internet. (laughs) I wrote, what is this place? We're at like the internet headquarters. We're literally at the internet headquarters. I was like, a chat room company, maybe? Early social media company? No, this guy is literally in the dealings of the internet. I don't really know what's happening here, but I'll do my best. Elliot, we literally enter in on Elliot going, your internet users, and the guy calls them clients. They tell him they want information on the yachtsman, and the guy asks why, and Olivia says, we have reason to believe he posted sex pictures. She said sex pictures. Yeah, so... Right away, this I'm thrown off for this whole scene. <laughs> yeah. The guy who owns the internet goes so, and he tells them that they're of minors. And he's like, oh, okay, let me get you that screen name then. So they pull up the, the yachtsman screen name um, into <laughs> – okay, I literally wrote – I'm going to read you what I wrote. He types in the screen name into his own internet because I think they distribute different internets. To people i can't that's how it i can't agree or disagree i think that's what happened that's how it was phrased because he's like oh, are these internet users no they're clients okay so anyway he put he, ty- he types the yachtsman's name into the internet i guess pulls up the yachtsman's email the stabler is amazed and they have a discussion about how the internet knows everything about us 
Olivia goes, the internet is just a giant tape recorder that runs 24-7. The internet's like a gigantic tape recorder that just runs 24 hours a day. The guy kind of finger guns at her. He's like, bingo. And he even goes, yeah, what does it say when you log into Amazon? And Olivia goes, welcome Olivia Benson. And the guy goes, yeah, that's before you even buy anything. I'm like, idiots, you have to type in that information. It still works like that. Because you need to, you start an account and then it's like, hi, Brittany. They stroll over to the printer um, and the guy from Royal Pains has printed out like a one sheet um, from the internet all about the yachtsman. Uh, his name is Harry Waters, and he's visited basically a billion porn sites and sex chat rooms, including that of minors. Yes. Uh, he visits music sites like uh, Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, 98 Degrees. Stabler looks up. He's like, my daughter likes those. We have activated Stabler. The most notable thing out of all the disgusting things that the yachtsman's been up to is that he has bought used panties on eBay. He has won seven panty auctions in the last year. And they are all disgusted. And then Stabler asks if they have his home address. No, but they have his work address, which is universal.net. So I think we're just going to go to the other internet. Yeah, the other people who own the internet, which is split 50-50 between this one company and this other place. (laughs) (laughs) I have comments about these people, but I'll hold. So dun-dun, we're at universal.net, the other internet. BNS meet with Harry's former manager, and the guy starts out by saying he never liked Harry, which isn't totally true. And Stabler's like, why? And the guy tells them, he jumps right to the story, no other details. He jumps right to the story about how after the company was offered their IPO, they splurged and got tickets for the entire company to go to Cuba to see this Orioles game that I think was like a real thing because Stabler's like, oh yeah, the Orioles game. So the day of the game rolls around and Harry Waters says that he doesn't feel well and he can't go to the game. So the rest of the group feels really bad for him. They decide to bring him back some souvenirs from the game. They walk into his hotel room somehow. When they do, a little kid, end quote, comes out of the bathroom and asks the men if they wanted a good time too. Waters apparently quit right after. Nobody said anything to him. Uh, and apparently Waters quit right after the incident. Benson asks if Waters left his work computer, and the guy's like, yeah, you want it? Please take it. And he says that no one would touch it after, because they were, like, definitely afraid of what they'd find on there. Um, yes. Why wasn't this reported to the cops upon arrival back in America? That would have been my first stop. I would have been like, take me to my local precinct. I would have been like, I know you can't do anything because this happened in Cuba, but you need to look up this guy I can't obviously file a report, but here's everything that happened. You need to take a look at this guy. Right. And like maybe they didn't feel the need to because obviously, and we even hear about it in this episode, it is a lot harder than one would assume to get a person convicted of. Really, they're like, oh, we were so grossed out by it, so disturbed that they wouldn't even touch his computer, obviously, because they don't want to find more things about that. Well, that puts them in possession of this illicit material. It's never addressed, but we're just kind of like, again, for writing's sake almost, it's like, why? Yeah. You know, like, Mm -hmm. why? Like, why would this even be a plot line that we then wouldn't explore for, like, what it is? Um, Yeah, dun-dun. Jeffrey says the computer hasn't been touched for 10 months, so they won't be able to find an address. And I'm like, I don't know why. That doesn't make sense, but okay. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes they say things and I go along with it, and then you repeat it, and I'm like, wait, wait, what? Well, because it makes no sense. Like, you just visited the internet, basically, and you can't find his address. 
but they did she did find a bunch of file names uh, and there were things like hot girls horny teens and then other file names like that said like likes and dislikes and school schedules yeah so benson's like great we can take this all to the da and get him convicted for stalking and intent to distribute and jeffrey says that they actually don't have the real files just the file name so i guess the yachtsman deleted all of his files but then kept the file name Ooh. also i don't understand this next thing that comes up me either so, so they're like oh well we do have a phone number that i think maybe the that I- he was yeah they were like the phone line he's using oh because you used to have to plug your phone into the router maybe? oh duh it's like we thought we knew and now i'm like guys i'm so sorry we were we are 10 this episode is happening we are 10 you know what i just realized what the guy who might have owned the internet remember you had to buy internet time oh like yeah AOL. so maybe these were the distribution we're like, companies we're being such assholes about them and it's like a real legitimate thing we're like so i don't know i guess they went to the internet i, I mean i'm leaving it Whatever, in because guys. it's hilarious oh, yeah. yeah but like <laughs> but basically they did they were visiting the internet like because if they were supposed to be somewhere like aol then they would have been visiting the internet at the time. They would have been a, visiting a place that had internet. Yeah. When other people didn't. They're like, well, here's the phone line that was associated with the watchman, the yachtsman's internet. Jeffries is like, Van Shun, Keith. And then Stabler looks and he's like, Keith, that son of a bitch. Who would have thought the statutory rapist was a bad guy? It's shocking. Mm, like, truly shocking. I didn't think he was a bad guy. He's got... He's so handsome. He's so handsome. And I think that's what Stabler thought too. I honestly oh. think that's what he because like what you're you're gonna have me sit here and believe that after all we've been through together. Okay. So dun dun. <laughs> so B and S are in here with Keith and he's like, listen, it's not my stuff. So Stabler asks whose stuff it is. He's like, listen, if someone wants to keep illegal shit in my place, uh, they better be my best friend or I better be getting something out of it. And Keith is all sullen. He's like, he's not my friend. Not He's my friend, like you guys. And Olivia's like, well, you've got the pictures and the emails. Elliot gets pissed. Because he goes, ugh, they're just pictures, man. And Elliot Marie Stabler slams his hand on, another slamming his hand on the table. And he goes, they're not just pictures. Just pictures. They're not just pictures. Oh, and did you see how Olivia's face doesn't move at all? She's just like, get him. Get him, baby. I know, yeah, she's like. screaming. It startled me. And he grabs Keith's shirt, and he's like, you're going to tell me what I want to know. Keith is now terrified, as he should be. And he's kind of like. (laughs) We get Keith's full disgusting story now. So this whole thing started out small. His friend had a falling out with a girl. So he took a bunch of nude photos he had of her. And put them on the internet to get back at her. And I guess Keith helped. Yeah. I don't know. Keith is apparently, it's like, you know how in movies like this, they're like, oh, it's the guy who knows the internet. So Keith is the guy that knows the internet. And he's like, yeah, I'll put your girlfriend's nudes on the internet, which we would now recognize as revenge porn. But I'm sorry, we're we're in 2000, so no one really cares. So a bunch of guys on the internet see the picture and they start emailing them with questions. They're like, Ooh, where does she go to school? Like, they want to know personal information about her, and they're willing to pay money for more pics. So first they start off with girls they know or girls they pick up. So does that mean they just, like, start asking all their 
the girls they know to take nudes. Yeah, so I think that's what they were doing. They were dating girls or girls that they knew, like maybe fuck buddies, which is gross to think about because I think these were young women. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it changed, the business changed because these perverts would start asking for specific types of girls. So he'd said they'd ask for a redhead or a girl with like smaller boobs. And so then they would start finding girls just like kind of how they found Karen, it sounds mm-hmm. like. He found Karen. Um Get them to take these pictures somehow, and then they would post them to the to the internet with these guys. And, yeah, Keith's like, look, these guys are freaks. And Stabler's like, and you're their pimp. Oh, yeah, he's just, like, grinding that into his face. He's like, and you're a pimp. He says pimp, like, four times. Oh. He's like, yeah, yeah, you're a pimp. You're, you're a, a pimp, pimp, Keith. You're a pimp, Keith. And he's like, Ugh. Keith's like, no, no, no. No, no I'm Keith. So then they ask Keith about the payments, and it basically, it sounds like an early version of Bitcoin. Basically, they were paying him that. in ways that can't be traced, like sending him gift cards or other things yeah, like that. net cash and cyber credits. But at, at one point, he does say, like, the money was big and it was real. And I'm like, oh, you were getting cyber credits. It couldn't have been that big. I know. Now I'm like, wait a minute. He kept saying it was big and real, and now we're finding out it was cyber credits and gift cards to Dunkin' Donuts or whatever the fuck. Right. And I said, to this day, I don't know how that works outside of bank transfer cash apps. Like, obviously, Venmo makes sense. You have to hook up your bank account. So, dun-dun. Yeah. <laughs> we're back at the Stabler house. And we're with Maureen. <laughs> Maureen's here. Um, so, she's actually in a good mood for once, and Stabler goes and ruins it. So, Stabler's sitting at the family computer, and he's hunched over. So, already, you know, he's on some shit. Maureen kind of bounces in. And she's like, all right, I'm going to Hannah's to study. And Stabler starts growling questions to her. I said, like, a drunk uncle. And he's like, the test is Tuesday. Maureen's like, yeah. He's like, she can come here. And Maureen's like, well, Dad, she's an only child that's much quieter at her house. And he's like, well, which house? Her mom's or her dad's? Maureen's just kind of like, what are these questions? I thought there was a reasonable question to ask which house she was going to, just in case. But the way he asked it was unreasonable. Also, it is quieter at only children's houses. Oh, much quieter. Yeah, so the stabler gets up and he kind of walks up and he's like, why do I want to know who will be watching my child? But Maureen's too quick for him. She's like, how do you know all this? And suddenly her eyes light up. She's like, have you been reading my emails? And Stabler immediately is like, loses all chutzpah. Like, he came over, he, like, swagged over and was like, why do I want to know who's watching my child? All she did was go, did you read my emails? And he was like, uh, well. <laughs> he literally is like, uh, 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 well. And she just starts yelling at him. And he's like, I just wanted to see if people were sending you things you shouldn't be looking at. And she's like, no, duh, they are. And I just don't look at it. This was so dramatic. This fight was a lover's quarrel. It oh, was. Yeah. like they're, it's, It was like they're fighting about cheating. Because he's like, I just want to make sure you weren't getting emails you shouldn't have been getting. And Maureen's her father's child. And she screams, of course I do. Every day. And I delete them all, Dad. (laughs) He starts to plead with her. He's like, you could talk to me about anything. Just talk to me. And Maureen is still shouting. And she goes, this is going real well. You want to read my journal, too? And so, this is so good. No, you have a journal. (laughs) No. You have a journal? And she literally just screams. She's like, unbelievable! And she just marches up the stairs. 
filled with righteous fury. Right. She even turns around and gives him a look of sheer disgust. She's looking at her father. Her father. 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 But she the, the way this fight is going is like he's just been going. It's like you go through your girlfriend's texts or something. Like, that's what this fight is. It is not... I'm a father. The internet is new. It's scary. You don't know what you're talking about. You're 15. Shut the fuck up. It's literally like a fight between two lovers about cheating. Um, I also wrote, it is unbelievable, Maureen. You are both unbelievable. Stop screaming. This (laughs) This fucking house. This is the one fight I totally side with her. Dun, dun. Bullpen. This yachtsman has a taste for naked pictures, remarks Cragen as he drinks straight from a carton of milk. He strikes me as a whole milk guy, so. I agree. I agree. So Munch swaggers by, and he's like, do you want to know the number one search on the internet? And Jeffrey's guesses sex. And according to Munch, that's number two. Number one is Pam Anderson. Ironically, someone else who has had her pictures and likeness stolen by a fucking creep, so they can profit off her. Um, but basically, it sounds like this guy's really skilled at hiding his IP address, at least in current days speak. I think that's what they're saying. Cragen puts the milk away, and I now have to read you this comment from IMDb. At one point in this episode, Captain Cragen casually drinks from a carton of milk in the squad room. He takes a swig right from a quart of milk and then puts it back in the fridge, so presumably later on, someone went looking for milk for their coffee and used the carton he drank right out of. This is not behavior befitting a captain, hinting that Cragen has a way to go on his 15-season character arc. Whoever wrote that, thank you for your service. That was IMDb. Do you see what I'm talking that about with IMDb? Trivia. I was dying. Ten do- thumbs downs. I'm putting that as a thumbs up. That's great. I mean, that was hilarious, but I love that someone put it as trivia and then surmised later on that that's not trivia. That's you literally writing fan fiction. You're hilarious, and I love you. <laughs> I so loved it. They're like, that's really not befitting of his position in the squadron. And I'm like, you're not wrong. The Kind of the last part is that Craig had suggested that they make the yachtsmen come to them since they since apparently he Carmen San Diego's all over the place. And they organize a chat room sting. And I wrote, I love these scenes. I know they're like sad, but I love a good early thousands, late nineties chat room sting scene. They're oh, so, so funny. Fun. Dun dun Munch is pretending to be a twelve year old girl named Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> and he establishes he's twelve by using the phrase harsh. Um, And Munch is pretending to need a Prozac prescription, and the yachtsman's, like, coaching Munch Nicole how to get one over on her mom so she can get a Prozac prescription. Munch types, my parents are so harsh, and the yachtsman replies, I, like, understand. (laughs) And so Munch Nicole types back, as if. And I was like, these (laughs) both seem like old men trying to be teenagers. I agree. I how and they kind of say that later on. They're like, uh, he one hundred percent knew that was an old man. And I'm like, he might have. He might have. To, <laughs> to be, be fair, um, the yachtsman suggests that they meet up the next day at a cafe in Chelsea at noon. Um, dun dun. dun the dun. cafe in Chelsea at noon. I'm going to say that I think Harper from Closure Part One must have decorated this cafe. That's the pattern from Patrick Starr's swim shorts. Yes, I also wrote that troubling google that and that's on the walls of this cafe and i said chelsea would never (laughs) harry waters aka the yutzman enters and he spots a teenage girl sitting at a table and he's leering at her so he approaches the girl and he goes hi i'm the yachtsman 
you must be Nicole. And he's so fucking smug. It's like, how can you be so smug doing this thing that the world universally abhors? Yeah. It's so weird. He is actually a very smug pedophile. Munch and Stabler pop up and Munch grabs him and goes, actually, I'm Nicole. And they haul the yachtsman away, but not before he could say, you could talk to my lawyer. We fucking will. We literally will. will. This the guy who plays the yachtsman and I'm an idiot and I didn't write down his real name. But Reed Bernie. Oh, yeah. Reed Bernie. He was the mayor, a character I don't don't remember at all. (laughs) Don't remember at all because of our trauma. He was the mayor in the movie Changeling. I can't believe I went through his IMDb and completely missed that. He's had some big roles besides being the mayor on Changeling and ruining our lives. Maybe someday when we have therapists on standby, we can rewatch the movie and recap it for the podcast. I even you just saying that made me go, that is such an undertaking. Like I didn't even really like the movie. I didn't either, and we haven't seen it. It's been 16 years, I, I never think. care to see it again. We had a very traumatic theater experience. We'll tell you guys someday. Someday. But it was a lot. We've, ar- so. we've already digressed enough today, so. Oh, we have. <laughs> oh, God, we've got to stop. Dun, dun. Dun, dun. Interrogation rub. So the yachtsman is here with his bitch lawyer. She's doing <laughs> her job, but she, oh. So she's like, what are you charging him with? 88 Eastman is back. She is the person from the limitations episode. She's the one who kept trying to do all those legal maneuvers to get to stop the statute running out on those three rape cases. She's back again here. So she's like, well, we're going to charge him with soliciting a minor. And the lawyer snarkily is like, well, I'm pretty sure he solicited a 48 year old man named John Munch. So Kragen tells her um, that she can see all the things that he's been saying to underage girls once they get to the discovery process of this trial. But then he pulls her aside and he's like, hey, I want to speak to you off the record. He tells her that the client was discovered by his coworkers having a fling with a He uses the word fling and that grosses me out with a 12 year old girl in Cuba. And she's like, hmm, the people who fired him told you that. And he's like, well, he wasn't fired. He quit. And his computer is filled with child sex abuse material she's like so i'm not supposed to give this horrific giant loser the best legal advice and craigan's kind of like no it's like that's it's kind of that was kind of a funny line it's not funny but it's kind of like she has a fucking point i guess she's like she does okay, he did all this horrible things and you expect me not to defend him she's doing well, her job i don't job. want you to yeah, yeah it's like i don't want you to but i guess you should yeah, she basically tells him she's going to not not do her job because they haven't built a credible case, and she leaves. And ADA Eastman is like, well, cybercrimes are really hard to prosecute. And Cregan says, well, he's a huge threat to society. And she says, I know, but we don't have a case. Dun, dun. We're in the bullpen. Cregan is leading off a bunch of websites that Waters visited alternative text teams father daughter love fest um detective page yeah detective page is in the interrogation room throwing chairs at the wall because she heard that i'll be taking that line of questioning craig tells the squad that they need to find a real victim of waters before they can prosecute him for basically the same reasons that everyone was saying there's just not enough evidence apparently i don't know okay olivia mentions that waters bought underwear on ebay and craig literally goes whoa whoa what's this and i'm like yeah good point i know Way to bury the lead. That's pretty, I don't know. It's pretty And apparently, well, and apparently, because I was like, this should be illegal, but I'm like, oh, maybe they didn't know because it wasn't underage girls' underwear. But 
Apparently it was. Uh, Munch says that Waters never bought any of the underwear in person, and Olivia suggests he might have been more interested in the return address and the underwear. So Jeffries confirms this and says that he bought underwear from a teenager in Queens. And uh, you're like, how do, Paige, how do you know it was a teenager in Queens? Would someone be so stupid to write something like that on a package they were sending to a pedophile? Well. Why on earth would you not use a P.O. box? So dun dun. Doris Harrington's house. Munchies knocks on the door. Just a reminder, Munchies is Jeffries and Munch. Uh, they knock on this door and an elderly woman answers. She is elderly. I'm not saying old anymore because it's been abused. Munch is in his fedora for no reason once more. So they ask for Doris Harrington. They ask the old woman if Doris Harrington's there. She tells them that she is Doris's grandmother and that Doris is out. She looks kind of nervous. She's like, what? Well, she's vague. She, instead of saying I'm her grandmother, goes, no, I'm a grandmother. She says, I'm a grandmother? Yeah, it's weird. That is weird. I didn't catch that. That was so weird. So she asks what this is about, and Munch goes, pedophilia, Mrs. dot, dot, dot. And she goes, Harrington, oh. This whole exchange was weird, where they're being really nice to her, but they're like, pedophilia? And she's not like, "Uh, ew? And she's like, my name's Mrs. Harrington, oh. So Munch is like, can we come in? And she lets them in. And in her dining area, there's like three other elderly women sitting at her table smoking. And I think drinking and playing cards. And I'm like, this looks kind of fun. One of them goes, we're not doing anything illegal. And Munch says, the vibe's a tad touchy in here. And I like that he says Gen Z things without even knowing you think. I know. He's like, the vibe is off in here. Munch says they're worried about Mrs. Harrington's granddaughter potentially being in danger. And the touchy friend goes, did you read the warrant, Doris? So then Jeffries turns to the first elderly woman and goes, you're Doris? And Doris, actually, she didn't just lie two minutes ago. And she goes, yes, I'm Doris. My granddaughter is Elaine. And she's in school, I hope. So then Jeffrey spots a shipping envelope and she grabs it. And Doris's touchy friend literally goes and touches her and goes, no, this isn't Russia. Doris is waves her off and Jeffries sticks a pen into the envelope and pulls out a pair of underpants. My original assumption was that Doris was telling men on the internet that she was 15 years old and then selling her and her friends underpants under the guise of being teenagers. That is a hilarious old lady thing to do and a hilarious way to make money. That's not what's happening here. No. Doris says, of course, we advertise used homecoming queen underwear, and that's what we provide. So this group of women has pimped out her granddaughter, Elaine, and are selling her underwear to pedophiles on the internet. And using her home address. My grandmother would have never even wanted to have a conversation about this episode with me. So no one seems as disturbed as we are. They're kind of like, <laughs> all right, we're going to go talk to Elaine now, basically. Yeah. Um, so done, done. We go to St. Monica's. Um, B and S are there at Elaine's school. I-, I said they should be checking on her because her grandmother is doing something really gross and invasive and abusive. But they're there to see if Waters ever tried to meet up with Elaine. That's why they're there. They're not there for any whatever. whatever. I guess there's bigger fish to fry, I suppose. The principal is a weird guy. He's going on proudly about the status of the school, blah, 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 saying it's a super safe school. It's supposed to, it's expositional. They're talking about kind of like how the internet is changing 
the landscape of security in schools because then they have a brief conversation about how the school once had softwares that were used to ex um, to block explicit content on the school's computers, but then that software interfered with when the students were trying to research like anatomy papers or even their own bodies for some reason. The principal's like, sometimes they have to look up their own changing bodies. Okay. I never did that at school, literally ever. Never in my life, never in my fucking life did I think, let me Google my changing body while I'm at school in front of all of my fucking friends. No. Your mom buys you a copy of The Care and Keeping of You. You read it in the privacy of your own room, and you don't ask any questions. Iconic book. I still have it. Iconic. So, yeah, that's what that – so he takes them into – it was like an office or – you know, his office or a room or something. And they find Elaine, Doris's grandmother, the owner of the underwear. She's sitting in there looking nervous. Okay. I just, I'm, I'm going to get it off my chest. This actress is 21. She does not look 14. It's very fucking distracting the entire time. What is her accent? Um, I wrote affected. It's like she announces her K's or enunciates her K's really and then the O's, uh, I hate, I don't like her. I don't like her. I'm sorry. I don't like her. So she asks, I think she asks what she did wrong to be called in. And Olivia asks if she knows a man named Harry Waters. And she shakes her head no. And Stabler's like, online, he's known as the yachtsman. And she kind of sits down and Olivia sits with her and she finally admits that she does know him. So they take her ass to the station and they're like, all right, tell us how this yachtsman thing started. So she was hanging around the house and he showed up looking to buy more panties because her dumbass grandmother pimped her out and then made her location something a bunch of weird, creepy men could know. So Elaine thought the whole thing was funny. Anyway, she thought the yachtsman was really nice. He talked about his own daughter who died in a car crash. And he was just really interested in what she was doing at school and what music she liked and what she did for fun. And Benson's like a savage friend. Like when your friend is dating a guy and you're like bitter about it or you don't like the guy. And she just interrupts like, oh, so he came on to you like a father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know you think that's special, but no, it's not. No, it's yeah, not. I know what it is. I know what it is. Stabler asks if he ever asked how old she was and she told him 14. Is she 14? If she's 14, there's no way she could have been a homecoming queen. No. Also, this is... I don't know that I really want to say this. The underpants that were removed from that envelope looked too big. I agree. Yeah, they looked... And they weren't... That's why I thought it, the old ladies were wearing underpants and pretending to be young girls and selling them. Which I thought was funny. And then it became not funny because of what they were actually doing. And it's like the, yeah, to Brittany's point, the underpants they pulled out, they did look too big. Um, and they looked matronly. They were silky a little bit, but they were matronly. Like, I have matronly silky undies, too. Cragen's outside looking uncomfortable for no reason. They're just like, Cragen's here. Don't worry. Um, so Benson asks when it became intimate. Elaine takes a disgusting and audible gulp. She's like, September. We met at the park by a fountain. And he took her to a nice restaurant on the river. So she gulps again and she's like kind of like about to start crying. And she says that he made her feel like a princess. So Olivia asks if she was forced to have sex with him. And then Elaine says no, but he masturbated in front of her. Disgusting. So dun dun. Stabler and Cragen are talking outside. And once again, Cragen uh, says they basically can't do anything about this because there wasn't any real sex. And I'm like, I don't understand. 
Um, but he says that they think, he thinks that they can trick Waters into telling them more about what happened between him and Elaine. And then Stabler gets all excited and is like, you're not suggesting we lie to the poor man, are you? And Cragen's like, yeah, totally. Which I'm kind of like, okay, but Waters probably knows he didn't have relations with her. So why doesn't he just go, no, I didn't. She's a liar. Dun dun. Bullpen the next day. Waters' lawyer walks in and Elliot tells her that they're holding Waters. I don't know if Waters is with her because he is in the room at one point, but it doesn't look like at first he walks in with her. Yeah. Um, And Elliot says they're holding him due to new evidence. And again, he's being kind of like coy and vague. Benson walks Elaine by and she sees Waters and she kind of looks down and like ashamed. He kind of looks ashamed too. And then Elliot goes, changes things, doesn't it? When you see a real child with a broken heart and not a computer screen, he doesn't fucking care, Elliot. Anyway, so done, done. Now we're in the interrogation room. So Eastman starts go like listing off a bunch of charges. She's like, let's start with statutory rape. And then she lists a bunch of minor charges. And Stabler's like, well, we can keep this out of federal court if he'll provide all the names and dates of his meetings with minors. So Waters says he might have other names of men with the same affliction nine of them, and he'll deliver them in person. So they end up offering him a deal where he is going to serve the max sentence, which is only five years, so great. Yeah, oh, so good to know. But for every pedophile he gives them that then are convicted, they will knock six months off of his sentence. And the lawyer realizes this is probably the best deal she's going to get, and she says she'll go talk to him. This is really gross. The mean interrogation room. B&S are in there with Waters. They ask him how he came into contact with his other gross friends, and he says that it was mostly on the internet, but then some in person. So then they drop the word pedophile, and he gets all butthurt about it. And he's like, well, no, we phrase it more like, do you love children? Because I guess Olivia had been like, so that's how you meet the pedophiles. And he's like, well, that's not what we really say. We say, do you love children? And Stabler goes, I don't believe this, which makes Waters mad. He gets offended. He's like, you want in on our world? You better believe it. I'm like, you're a pedophile. What is this pride? Dun, dun. A little bit of reprieve. We're back at the stable. Thank home. God. Thank God. For once. Oh, I can yeah. cool down. I'm pissed. I've never... There was another episode that we were like, oh, thank God, the Stablers, because it was just like getting too deep. We were like, oh, we need the Stablers right now. We need some good old fashioned like fuck shit. Um, so Maureen... <laughs> And this is fuck shit. So Maureen is trying to log into the computer and she's just sitting there going like. (sighs) And Stabler has put a child lock on it. So Maureen, he comes over behind her and Maureen's like, my homework is on this computer. And Stabler leans over her, tries to unlock the computer. His face is like inches from her cheek. Uh, But he can't remember the password. (laughs) And so I wrote, it's probably Elizabeth. And that's why he forgot. He's like, it's one of my three children. Weird. It's weird. It's not Dickie. It's not Richard, which is Dickie's real name. So then he looks at, he goes to Maureen, do you know how to fix this? And Maureen clicks exactly one key and the child lock has now disappeared. And she goes, those child locks are a joke. Then why didn't you do it before? I know. And he's like, uh, that quick, huh? I know. Yeah. (laughs) And she goes, then she looks at him, she goes, when are you going to start trusting me? And Stabler gets in real close to her face and goes on. There's another diatribe. And it culminates basically into, you know how I lock up those doors and windows? And Maureen nods and understanding like, yeah, you do do that. You do that every night. It's kind of scary. Oh my God, you do that. Is that for a reason? He goes, now they're coming through here. 
and he points at the computer. This is about fear. It's not about trust. So then Maureen smirks and she goes, stop reading my email. He's like, okay, I promise. I'm sorry. And then he kisses her on the forehead and I'm like, this is the end of their little lover's quarrel. Dun, dun. Dun, dun. We're back at the squad room, and I guess Cragen's br- breaking down this cute little raid they're going to do on all the dumbass pedophiles. Um, so what they need to do is they need to get names of victims and dates so these little motherfuckers can't claim that this is just, like, play acting and they're just, like, making up all the stuff they did. So they need to get these guys to admit to as much detail as possible. And Munch is like, what do child molesters even talk about when they get together? Dun, dun, we're about to find out. Oh, it's a perv party. It's like you're going on a sting. Of course, they're going to talk about it. This is kind of weird, though. It is a perv party, and they are literally talking about pervy things. Honestly, there's not a lot to say about this scene besides it's just kind of a round of men saying gross stuff. There's a guy talking about, like, bag cameras so he can take upskirt videos. Munch and Stabler are rubbing elbows with some pedos by talking about how much they love gymnastics. One guy walks over to Stabler and puts his hand on his shoulder and Stabler goes, hey, there he is. You want to finish that story about how you met that guy? Was that the convention? And then the guy with his hand on his shoulder goes, holiday on ice. Harry Waters is also here and he's really, he is like taking on this role of turning in all his like dirtbag friends seriously because he is just like lighting these guys up to talk. He's like, hey, what was the name of that cute little chick you were seeing the guy's like oh this girl oh my god broke my heart he's like yeah just keep talking when was that again so they're naming names like pauline drake astrid brooks sally ashton cut to kind of another scene quickly uh waters gives a brief toast to the group of pedophiles and he says it's always nice to meet up with like-minded individuals so the guy who said that he was a glorified car service says that if anyone's interested he has some product in his car and then he goes, you'll need a high-speed graphics equalizer to download it, but I'm sure that's not going to be a problem in this room. Oh, he kills it. It's like peak pedophile, pedophile humor. Well, the fun's fucking over. And finally, the rest of the unit is able to bust in and throws all of these pedophiles against a wall. The Disney on Ice guy that was talking to Stabler, Munch walks up to him, and he, this guy looks pissed, obviously. Munch walks up to him and tells him to put his hands up, and the guy goes, FBI. And Munch is like, do you mean NAMBLA or actual FBI? So then the guy goes, check my breast pocket. And Munch pulls out a badge. So done, done. We're at Cragen's office. Guess what? Cragen's mad. <gasps> do you think he's going to yell? I am unsure. Oh, he threw his coat. I think he might yell. <laughs> <laughs> I have that coat, by the way. So Cragen so storms into his office, followed by the FBI guy. And he's like, don't you ever badmouth my people in their own station house. And the guy who's a terrible actor, he's like, well, that's too bad. Because when I tell my boss that this whole operation was blown, your name is going to come up. Cragen's like, oh, you're yelling at me? I'm going to take this up a notch. He spell yells his name for this man. He's like, my name is spelled C-R-A-G-E-N. Spelled C-R-A-G-E-N. And he's like, we were literally just doing our job taking pedophiles off the street. There is so much saliva on my phone now because I am spitting as I'm trying to talk like Cragen. Well, I mean, you're embodying this the scene, which was two big age men, ruddy face screaming at each other. Okay. I'm sure they were spit all over each other. 
the FBI guy goes four callers at the expense of hundreds more and says that now that most now most likely the pedophiles are all out there tipping off their friends about the cops being on to them. And according to the SVU squad, they're hopping on their jet planes and flying all over the country. <laughs> I know. I was getting, like, where do you think they're going? So then Craig goes, it's a hell of a lot more than you gave us. And the FBI guy yells, it was an undercover operation. And Cragen is like, oh, you're going to yell at me? I'm going to yell right back. So he starts screaming back. He's like, you're investigating pedophiles in my city, and you didn't think to give me a heads up. And that's why the bad guys are running rings around us. They're working together, and we're not. And scene, two angry white men. Thank you for coming to my one-woman show. To be very fair to Cragen, if you're going to go try to bust somebody in another city, don't you think you should tell the cops there in case they run into you pretending to be someone doing something illegal no i agree i think that that's i mean i was making fun of it but i think that's a really good example of what can happen when departments don't communicate between each other yeah so dun dun bns are in the interrogation room mean interrogation room with astrid brooks's predator uh because i don't know this guy's name but it was the one that was like astrid brooks he's creepy he's a weirdo and apparently they gave him a legal pad and left him alone in there and he drew butterflies on it Benson asks if there are more girls other than Astrid, and the guy very smugly, I keep saying smug, but that's the best example. That's the best description I have for these guys. He says, oh, yes, many. The internet has opened up a whole world of possibilities. Stabler agrees and says that pedophiles no longer need to climb trees with binoculars to see the people that they're perving on. And this pervert goes, you see, this is why kids love me. He's so cold, so angry. The kids from bad homes, the neglected ones, the abused ones, when they leave the courthouses and the police stations, they're in tears. When they leave me, they're all smiles. So the screen goes dark and an embarrassingly outdated statistic pops up. At any given moment, there are 3.4 million anonymous chatroom users on the internet. Have I got news for you, baby? <laughs> Executive producer Dick Wolf. There's not really a lot to say about this one. There's no, I mean, it's not, well. There were, I don't know, there was a lot of bad stuff going on that the detectives kind of glossed over to get to the big bad, which were like all these awful pedophiles. But also the way Karen's mom treated her was really disturbing. And the relationship between Doris and, uh, is it Eileen or Irene? Eileen. Eileen, yeah. Was really disturbing. I mean, that's. Oh, and not to mention what our boyfriend Keith was doing. Yeah. Like, they were really interested just in getting the yachtsman's name, but Keith was posting pictures of underage – not posting. He was luring. Yeah. This was just, like, a yucky episode. It was frustrating hearing how limited they were with, like, being able to actually arrest people for these things. Maybe that's yeah. why they couldn't get Keith, because maybe it was, like, that small of a difference, 21 and 16. Yeah, I mean, that's very possible. I think sometimes I forget – how different the laws are yeah and just how we as a society view i mean i'm thinking probably back then in 2000 watching that people would know what he did was wrong posting revenge porn but they probably were thinking it of just being like oh wow i can't believe he did that instead of thinking wow he committed a crime he should go to jail and i'm thinking now revenge porn probably only became worse than it already was after the invention of social media specifically so like and chat cell rooms, phones so it's easier to take the pictures and obviously it should have been a rule anyway but it had to become illegal because people you know 
if I pissed somebody off and they had a nude photo of me, they could have put it on Instagram. And that's yeah. not fair. It's just no. like you can't just like get mad at people and do shit like that. You know what I mean? So I would call them like, guys, you can't just get mad at people and do shit like that. Yeah, you you guys, stop you it. Stop it. It's so gross. Remember that girl we know who was posting on her Facebook status a while ago? I think about that once a month and I laugh. Mwah. It's just, it was such a beautiful PSA. Well, we will see you next week for a recap of season one, episode 19. I am reading this off the website, so I know it's the title, Contact. All right. Well, thank you guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.